subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, you guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. Chuck, I had someone ask me yesterday, and I I didn't think anything of it, but I want to ask you, is there any difference between playing in like a dome compared to outside? I know I know they played in a couple different stadiums, being Donald W., Baton Rouge, and Little Rock, but I mean, is there anything that there, there could be some other obstacles we don't foresee heading into tomorrow's game? Well, there's no wind. And, you know, even in the passing game, if you've got a windy day, it affects things. It can affect things a lot in the passing game. If uh, you know if it's blowing at a pretty good clip, I've seen it before. Quinn talks about how even a 10 or 15 mile per hour wind can sometimes affect throws. And uh, I've heard him talk about that before, how the wind can be a big, big issue. So inside, you don't have that. Kickers like it. Punters like it. Um, the track's fast. And I think a lot of the players like that, too. <laughs> Well, speaking of fast, I, I did find it cool this week when Sam Pittman was talking about Isaiah Satania. He basically said, let him bring it out whenever. We, we'll live with some of the, the negative stuff. We've got three pretty good receivers out there as well, right? Well, that's not it. I haven't that's always felt that way. As a matter of fact, this is the first year I really feel like, you know, if he takes off, you hold on, you know, and see what happens. So, yeah, this year we've, we've changed, certainly. And to be honest with you, we saw it in practice. Because, you know, in the scrimmage, he took one back to the house, and that certainly helped uh, our feelings about him and, of course, the punt return. So, yes. Guys, we've seen special teams be monumental in this football game, not just under Sam Pittman, but in other years as well, the last decade or so. And I, I just found that kind of interesting that, that Coach Pittman is willing to live with maybe not necessarily make it to the 25 every time if Isaiah decides to bring it out just because he has that game-breaking break, ability at points when he catches kickoffs. He certainly does. Um, you know, I, I've, I've noticed the last game or two, he's kind of taken a knee at about five or six yards deep. Uh, brought, I think, one of those out, maybe early. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, field position's really important. And I hear what he says there, and I know they do have a lot of confidence in him. But you don't bust kickoff returns every play. You just don't. And sometimes it's okay to start at the 25. Sometimes yeah. it is. Uh, you see a lot of guys, and most of the time, in my opinion, most of the time when you have a kickoff returned, it's because the kicking team wants you to return it. They are setting up a coverage, and they think they can get you inside the 20-yard line. Most college kickers can kick it out of the end zone anytime they want to. It's mm-hmm. a, but, but, but oftentimes they will set up a return. If they do that with Satania, you can burn them. I don't know if bringing it out from six or seven is really the best way to go, though. I and part of what he said when he talked about this this topic earlier this week is, hey, sometimes we fair caught it and we've taken the twenty five because we didn't want to risk a penalty. I was worried about a penalty 
And we think about, well, it's it's a guarantee to the 25. Well, you return that, and maybe you get between the 20 and the 25, but you got an illegal block in the back or something happens, and now you find yourself pinned in around your 10-yard line, and now you got got real problems. Yeah, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. Um, you know, it's a feaster. Sometimes you hope it's not a feaster famine deal, but sometimes it is. Um, look, I like the idea of a return. Everybody does. But let's be real. They're trying to, you know, this is, uh, Isaiah's value is going to be in the punt return. It's not the kickoff return. Uh, you'll have those occasionally. But the idea, I mean, they're trying to legislate the kickoff side of the game yep. anyway. Yep. So the punt, the punt return is where he can be really deadly. And I will tell you the thing that I've been most impressed by. He catches the ball. I don't want to jinx him. I mean, if he drops one Saturday, it's my fault. But um, I like the fact that he catches the ball. Sometimes with these players that are really good return men, first thing they got to do is catch it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and and I mean, we've seen that before, and I think he's done a fine job. Yeah. Speaking of catching the ball, Tyrone Broden was inserted in the lineup list last weekend, and I remember Coach Pittman talking about him in fall. Chuck, I remember you talking about I mean, this guy's six seven. He's got some wheels. He's not one of those possession receivers and made one of the best catches of the season, quite frankly, last week in, in Baton Rouge. I mean, how much do you think that gave KJ, KJ confidence in him, not just near the red zone, but willingness to just throw the ball up in certain situations when he's in a one-on-one spot? Oh, I think it's huge. I mean, you, you know, we there are always players out there that people clamor to see on the field. Most mm-hmm. of the time it has to do with the guys that you're familiar with. I don't know how familiar we were with Broden, just to be real honest. I didn't follow Bowling Green football. I read his bio, but I didn't really follow it that closely, and I don't know that anybody else did either. We didn't know anything about it. We'd never, uh, we didn't know anything about him. We'd never seen him play. He's a guy you got to get on the field. I mean, when you got a six, seven wide receiver that can run, that guy's got to play. I mean, that's why you brought him here. So you got to get him out there. And I would imagine that they will play him a lot more now. Clearly, they feel like he's ready, and apparently, they didn't feel like he was before. Mm-hmm. So he's out there now, and um, I think he's a good one. I think he's a keeper, and I think he's got to play. I, I, I think Armstrong and Broden out wide, and Tesla in the slot, I think that's their best receiving core. Yeah, and, you know, when you find yourself in third and medium, third and long, you know, he, he ought to be a possession-type receiver. Well, you know, I, I have heard from, uh, and I'm sure you guys have too, um, I've talked to A&M people this week, and what all of them have said is, man, you guys got a bunch of big receivers. I mean, that's the first thing you notice. And when teams scout Arkansas, when coaches prepare for Arkansas, when fans just look at the roster, that's the first thing you notice. I got to tell you, I fill out heights and weights every week. Ours can hang with anybody right now. And we've not been able to say that very often. How does that affect the the running game? Because I I would think that... Well, I hope it does. I I would think that would would mean, hey, we're we're not going to load that box up with eight. I I would think that would open up some room just because of that threat right there. Well, I don't know if it's coincidence that they ran the ball a little bit better last week and Broden was involved. Might be. They seem to think it might be. So I guess we'll see. Now, I will tell you this. In the running game, we we, we, we can talk all we want to about all these other guys, passing game, things like that. But having Rocket back, if Rocket's able to play Saturday, and it sounds like he's going to tomorrow, I guess it is now. My days are mixed up. But uh, if Rocket's able to go and it sounds like he's going to give it a shot, a healthy Rocket Sanders is the biggest thing that happened to this football team in the last month. 
I mean, just plain and simple. Or since the Western Carolina mm-hmm. game. It was the biggest thing to happen to this football team. Yeah. yeah, and I remember, so we played this clip in the podcast, Chuck. I don't have it handy, but him just talking about the element he brings to the field, not just a leader, but um, just as a, as a whole guy. And you think about pass blocking, you think about the just the morale that we've spoken to. I mean, him being back would just, and based on what you said, based on what we've heard from Coach, it sure seems like it's heading that way. I just wonder, I wonder when, when the entire offense and the entire team sees this guy's gutting it back to get back out there, what that does for the squad. Well, it helps him. It helps everybody. It uh, helps the staff, helps the players, helps everyone that has anything to do with the team because this is a guy that is one of your leaders. And look, K.J. deserves every single great thing that's said about him. Mm-hmm. But if K.J. wasn't on this team, we'd be talking about Rocket 24-7. This guy's a 1,400-yard rusher. Let's not act like those things just drop out of the sky. We've not had an abundance of those guys. So I think having him back, I think it helps everybody on the team. Look, if Rocket has a big play on offense, Rocket makes a big play on offense, and Arkansas scores, you think that doesn't help the defense? Sure does. Of course it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so I think just his presence – out there gives everyone a lift. Yeah, you mentioned the yards last year. I, it, just a shame that you were hoping for some kind of cl- similar follow-up. And what, what is he? I think, I think it's 42 yards through four games because well, he yeah. only played one. I mean, yeah, I just say statistically that um, you know this injury is going to probably hamper the kind of season that we all envisioned or dreamed and, of. And not just well. for him, but for Quinshaw Judkins as well. The two clear consensus preseason first and second team are both first team guys have both been banged up this season which has been a bummer for both Ole Miss and Arkansas well that's a stats position running back's one of those spots that you don't get voted all conference because you're the best chip blocker in the league Mm -hmm. you don't get voted all conference because you pick up the blitz better than anybody else or because you're the best pass catcher you get voted all conference and all American running back based on numbers pure and simple and let's be real for a guy that's missed three ball games, I don't know how many Judkins has missed, but for a guy like Sanders who's missed three ball games, you're not going to rush for 1,400 yards. Nope. Probably not going to be first team all conference. Now, does that make him any less of a running back? Well, no. Mm-hmm. It just means it's a stats position. And you don't get postseason honors unless you got big numbers, and it's going to be hard for him to do that now. He got to, if he was he- if he's healthy enough and could even threaten a thousand, that'd be a heck of a season at this point. Mm. You think about the averages; his averages would be off the chart. Well, I hope he gets as many yards as he can get. But the only column I care about is wins for the Razorbacks. And if he gets two hundred yards and Arkansas wins out, I'm happy. If he gets 1,500 yards and Arkansas doesn't, you know, they go 500 or below 500 the rest of the day or the rest of the season, nobody's going to remember the numbers. That's right. So it's so, about the team. Let me. So we've talked about special teams with Satania. We've talked about Rocket, Broden, and some of the offense. This is a text from JP here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline about the defense asking us, do we think the LSU offense was that elite or that the defense is struggling a little bit, a little bit and they look better? against Texas A&M. Well, I'll say this. I, I, I said in the summer I thought Jaden Daniels was the best quarterback in the SEC, and when you team him up with a guy like Malik Neighbors and another guy like Brian Thomas, that's really hard to beat. But this A&M, I, I know Max Johnson might not be Wigman, Chuck, but they still have some elite, not just wide receivers, but some quality running backs, too, that this offense, if there is a drop-off between A&M and LSU, it's not much. I don't know that... Max Johnson's as good as Jaden Daniels. I don't know. No, he's that. not. 
but uh, from the I skill think he's position. Good. I think he's good. Uh, to me, the thing that's going to either you know bring success or failure to A&M is their offensive line. And, you know, all this is going to be decided up front. Uh, if Arkansas has a good day up front, if they can put some pressure on this guy, I'll bet he throws it to a Razorback before the day's over. Uh, if they don't, he has shown that he is not going to make mistakes unless he's under pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, they showed last week that they are willing to run the ball in the second half. You look at what they did in the second half. You look at their rushing totals against Auburn. Look at what they did in the second half when Johnson was in there. They didn't ask him to win the game. To me, what's going to be interesting in all this, and I think it's the key to the game as far as Arkansas's defense is concerned, can you make and will you make Johnson the focal point? If you can, if you stop the run, and if you can make him the focal point, mm-hmm. I think he'll throw it to you. You can put some pressure on him. But you got to stop the run first. You've got to win the battle up front. Max Johnson will do well if his offensive line does well. If Arkansas can disrupt it, he'll have a tough day. Speaking of Chuck, speaking of stopping the run, Cody and Hot Springs brings up a question I I kind of had too. They only played two linebackers against LSU, being Chris Paul and Jaheim Thomas. And I know Greer didn't play, didn't have Crook play. Spence freshman, I didn't think he was going to play once SEC started. But I wonder if Coach Williams elects to to spell those guys because that was something that might have hurt them you in know, the second half. Is the, the I don't death. think it hurt them at all. I, I mean, these are kids, man. I mean, we're uh, they're not playing at 100 degrees. I mean, we're sitting there acting like these guys are, you know, us. <laughs> we play four or five plays. We got to take a play off. Uh, you know, when you look at the game now and you look at the reduced number of snaps, one of the things I'm going to be interested to see moving forward, not just with Arkansas, but with every college football team, if we keep this rule, mm-hmm. is how much rotation will go on at the lines of scrimmage moving forward. They don't do a whole lot of rotating in the NFL. They've got this rule in the NFL, and this is an NFL-copied rule in terms of not stopping the clock on first downs. Um, You know, you want more plays as a fan, but I know in the pros, they don't want a whole lot of plays because that brings the possibility of injury and the wreckage of careers to bear. Um, And so they're not upset with fewer plays like Mm -hmm. college fans are. I just wonder going forward if we're going to see as much rotation is what I'm saying because there aren't as many snaps. And I don't think rotating, particularly linebackers, is that big a deal anymore. I just really don't. Um, I'll tell you, this team we're playing Saturday, they play three linebackers. That's it. They play three. And the third one doesn't play nearly as much as the first two. So it's a different position now. Um, Linebacker is not the position it was in the football that we were raised on. I'm not saying it's not important, but the responsibilities are a lot different now. And uh, I just don't think it's a spot where you – and I hate to say it, I just don't think it's a spot where you've got to have as many guys as you used to. Chuck, the Dallas Cowboys are also in town this weekend as they host the the New England Patriots. Last night did not go according to plan to me. Good grief. Packers got stomped on their home field against their division rival, the Detroit Lions. I think you guys will have a better outing than we did last night, but you just never know with the Cowboys, do you? Are you a Packers fan? I've never I'm really figured that out. I'm a Packers fan, Chuck. Okay. I know it's hard All to right. tell sometimes. All right. 
Well, I mean, I didn't see the game last night. I, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't see it. Uh, it was bad. I'm glad you didn't watch year. it. Well, the first half was. I was listening on the radio coming back from my kids' game. It's 27 to three, and I think Green Bay had 21 first half yards. At one point, they had negative yards in the second quarter. It's it horrific. was rough. Yeah, don't uh, don't watch the highlights. Or but they kind of closed there. the gap. I, I you know I didn't see or hear the end of it, but it made it what 30 or 27 17 at one point. Kind of they went by 14. Something like that. 14. Was that the I don't margin? remember the exact final the score. The for real, though. Yeah, so. that's a – listen, I, there, there's a reason. NFL knows what they're doing when it comes to scheduling. No one thought that they were going to do anything in Arrowhead on Thursday night, and I watched them win that game. That's a team that you don't want to trifle with. But uh, one of the intriguing storylines this weekend for Dallas is the return of not just – for Arkansas fans, you got Hunter Henry and Dietrich Wise, but Zeke Elliott's back in town. He was asked about this game coming back to Dallas – this week. Here's what he had to say. I mean, yeah, it's cool. You know, it's cool going back to Dallas. Spent a lot of time there. It's a lot of great times there, but I mean, out there, you got to keep the main thing the main thing, and that's, you know, going out there, getting better as a team, and going out there and get another win. I mean, I keep saying it. It's just another week for me. Not going to make it bigger than what it is. I want to go out there and play Patriot football. I want to go out there. We want to get better. We want to get a win. It's just the next stop on our 17-game journey. You guys believe him? Do you guys really think this is just another game for him? Or is this way more than that for Zeke? Oh, I don't think it's just another game for him. But I don't know, just to be honest about it, I don't know that he's going to be the deciding factor. Um, you know, he, he's, uh, um, he's not as good as he once was. He's a good mm-hmm. player. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, the run was up in Dallas. I'm sure he'll be received warmly. I'm sure there'll be, um, you know... Uh, a lot of people wearing number 21 jerseys would be my guess at the ball game Sunday. But um, I don't think he's going to be the difference in the game, but I'm sure he would very much like for the Patriots to win. Yeah, he's not even their, their starting running back. Ramondi Stevenson is the Patriots' starting running back. So, But I wouldn't be surprised if, if Zeke did have an impact in this one tomorrow. I hope Hunter Henry continues on. He's had a good start to the season, but we'll have to wait and see at this point. Hey, did anybody game. have Dietrich Wise playing – 10 years in the league. No. Anybody no. have that on their that's bingo a, card? That's a great one right there. Yeah. No. Maybe when Chuck, you remember this back in 2013 when he sacked Johnny Manziel and he did the shimmy after that. That was one yeah. of my favorite plays that he ever did. Hey, we've had a lot of guys that, I mean, you know, Bobby Williams was a lineman here that, you know, lots of people, I didn't know he played pro. He played in the NFL like 15 years. Some of these linemen, uh, yeah. You know, and, and I mean, Darius Phylon's a guy that's still hanging around. I mean, there's there's guys out Jason there. Jason Peters is still well, around. Well, yeah, he's like fifty. And <laughs> he got uh, re-signed by the Seahawks, Tommy. Yeah. But 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 Peters is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, I mean, Peters going to be a Hall of Fame. But some of these other guys, you know, all of a sudden you look up, and they fashion ten-year careers. And you know, Dietrich Wise is one of them. I, I couldn't be happier for him. He, um, he wasn't a lineman, but Eddie Jackson was another guy. that He had a, a good Razorback career. He was okay. But, yeah. but he had a, a lengthy NFL career, with, mainly with the Jets, if I remember right. So. And then he, he got a the, cooking show. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was good. And then, yeah, then, was then he became a star. Then he became a real star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, speaking of stars. Yeah, speaking of stars, our friend Eddie in Clarksville has phoned in on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Eddie, welcome in. I'm sure you've got some thoughts on this game tomorrow at 11 o'clock. That's exactly right, gentlemen. And for the fan base, put this in your coffee this morning. Whoa, I'm getting pumped. You know, there's a recipe I said once for everything in life. Homemade apple pie, homemade musky dyed wine, 
and there is a recipe of winning at the mob. Woo! And when that bell rings, we're going to serve the eggs, a big bowl of American pie. You know, Don McLean broke that big shawl, Mr. American Pie. Who does love American Pie? And come tomorrow, like I said, we're going to serve the eggs. Woo! A big bowl of it. A big slice of it. And what is the recipe? Well, I'm going to give it to you briefly. Ground and pound, baby. We got some emerging stars starting to emerge. As you see, last Saturday night in the Bayou, we got whoa, Mr. Dubian. We got the real Jefferson back. Woo! We got the best tight end in the country starting to emerge. And Mr. House, we got both emerging. What was I be confident? And tomorrow, we got the best quarterback. And there's defining moments in everyone's life. And what are the defining moments? What America was built on? It was built on this American player. It's built on defining moments. And Coach Pippen is going to have his defining moments. Biggest win of his career. Our players are going to get a big win. Woo! This is their defining moment of the season. And we're going to make a statement. Woo! Tomorrow and get a big win. I'll leave you with this. Romans. Listen to this. Romans chapter 3, verse 2. Your faith moment is your life. Defining moment. Come Saturday when that bell rings. Get ready for that pie, baby. Love it. Woo! Eddie. We, we got to get one uh, in. Yeah. Chuck, we, we've got to coordinate a meeting between Luke Haz and Eddie from Clarksville because uh, I think the true freshman needs to, to meet. <laughs> that's that hey, that's from one extreme to the other right yeah. now. Luke's a great kid, but you can tell that as an 18-year-old, you know, he's not as uh, – He's not as experienced, shall we yeah. say, uh, speaking publicly as Eddie is. Yeah. But that would be uh, that would certainly be be, be one extreme but, to the other. We went from American Pie to the Book of Romans all in one call. Yeah, that no, was, hey. uh, you know, I will say this for Eddie. He's got to be fairly well read because he pulls a lot of references just out of thin air. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm the only one old enough to know what he's talking about. But um, I do, you know, when you uh, you know, when you listen to some of the stuff that he says in there, he, he, he obviously yeah. pays attention to what's going on yeah, in the world. And I'm with him. I can't wait to see Dubian play tomorrow. That's going to be yeah. good. <laughs> Dubian, Dubian I'll make sure I don't say it quite like that. Uh, but if uh, I do, you'll know who I'm talking about, okay? It's going right. to be Eddie's fault. Inside joke. If Inside I say Dubian, it's all Eddie's fault. <laughs> speaking of speaking of paying attention, pension, uh, we're going to have Matt Stinchcomb on, who is going to be the analyst for the SEC Network on tomorrow's broadcast. He's been paying attention to the SEC all season long, former Georgia offensive lineman, and get his thoughts on maybe what Arkansas do it can can do in the trenches tomorrow here on Football Friday, Tommy. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more info. Call or text the McClarty Daniel Hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. 
When you buy a vehicle with Bacardi Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. As we welcome in, again, Matt Stinchcomb into the program, former Georgia Bulldog. Matt, you know a little something about playing in a professional stadium. For the guys that haven't, what's it going to be like for their first time tomorrow in AT&T Stadium? I don't know. You know, this is the SEC. The SEC stadiums oftentimes seat more than NFL stadiums. And a lot of times are a lot more engaged from a fan base perspective. So I don't know that, you know, either one of these teams, I mean, you think about um, where the Razorbacks play, where the Aggies play, Kyle Field, Razorback Stadium, you're sitting there going, I mean, it ain't going to be any bigger than those spots, that's for sure. It's got a roof. I mean, maybe if that's uh, the punters might be distracted, but maybe the punt returners and kick returners. Otherwise, these guys are probably going to be like, ah, yeah, I mean, it's got a big screen. We got big screens. I don't know that uh, a lot of other conferences, uh, some of the other schools, maybe they might walk into these pro stadiums and think, wow, man, this, this place is immense. And, and the SEC, kind of par for the course, might be the loudest that stadium gets all season is when they play this this game in there because of the the fan bases and the passion that comes at the collegiate level yeah there's a lot of college football fans that would definitely uh, agree with your sentiments matt i wonder i know you've watched film of both teams when it comes to arkansas what what differences did you notice on the line of scrimmage particularly in the offensive line for the razorbacks that you may not have seen the first three games well, you know, I think a couple of things will help. Uh, one, I do think that they're getting better in some spots. I think, you know, they'll continue to get better at right tackle, or can at least. Um, you know, left tackle has been a little bit of a, a revolving door, it looks like, with they're trying to get this manual kid in there and keep him in there. Meanwhile, you know, uh, you know Shambly's kind of filling in spot duty. Um, but that's, that's not ideal. Uh, to not have a preset rotation, a known rotation, oftentimes a rotation period, frankly. I mean, if you're not running a tempo offense and you don't have guys that are literally 1A, 1B, then you want the same five out there because you need them working together. Um, but they got to be more tied together. We talked about that earlier this week. We we're watching them, that uh, especially guard to guard, at center guard or guard center guard, you have to know what's happening, especially when – those guards are uncovered. You get a lot of odd fronts, just three down linemen. So the center's covered, the tackles are covered, and your guards are uncovered. You know, you have to know who you're working to. A little bit easier versus these four-man fronts because when a guy's lined up six inches from your face, there's a good chance that's the person you're supposed to block. But when he's off the ball and you got a couple of guys just kind of floating around, 
we all got to know, okay, so who are we working to here? If it's, if it's me and the adjacent lineman on the guy that's kind of close to us, the down lineman, then who else are we going to go get? Because we both can't just block him. And there are instances, a couple of key spots, really, where, you know, it's a walk-in touchdown in the red zone uh, on the little shovel pass with the option. If we just pull for the right backside linebacker, instead we get distracted by the play side and we get tackled for about a three-yard gain. Stuff like that that has to get cleaned up. The good news is it can. It's just a matter of, of communicating and understanding the assignment. You know, what is it I'm supposed to be doing? These other guys, for A&M, they're pretty salty on defense. It's going to be hard enough to block them when you know who to block. But if you don't know who to block, it doesn't matter how well. If you block the wrong guy, you might as well have not even been on the field on that snap. they got to get that fixed. Hey, Matt, give us an idea, because I know you know, about the cohesion between running backs and offensive linemen. Rocket Sanders has been out for Arkansas. They've got good running backs behind him, but I just wonder about the familiarity between running backs and linemen and how that plays into the running game. Yeah, I think a lot of that, you know, it's unspoken, and you try, it doesn't change the way you play up front, that's for sure. But a good back can make a line look even better. A good back, a great back, can make an average line look really good. Uh, and vice versa. Uh, although I will say it's, it's a lot harder for it to work the other way around because you can block your tail off up front. If you got a back that can't find the hole, then it's not going to look very good. A lot of times you'll come out of games and I will see or hear that the offensive line is being impugned. Oh, man, we just didn't block very well up front. Didn't run the ball well today. Well, and then you watch it, and you're going, no, nah, they blocked lights out up front. you got a running back that's running with his eyes closed. Or they just can't break a tackle. That's an issue. And obviously the more talented you are in the back end, the better they can make you look. I think Rocket Sanders, when he's good to go, one of the best backs in the conference, maybe, maybe the best back in the conference. Uh, when he's going good, uh, that can really help. And guys know that up front. You know, you, it's a momentum game, and especially in the ground game. If you get going on the ground and your guy is, is making some cuts, he's breaking some tackles, he's maybe picking up two or three more yards at the end of run, then that changes things. That, that juices you up a little bit. And I, I do think that that matters. That, that can actually be really additive to the run game element of your offense. Matt Stinchcomb with us here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Matt, a couple of games ago, Brady Latham, a team captain, didn't have his best game. Uh, four or five penalties in the game. What do you do as a lineman when you have a game that, um, you know, things don't go your way, too many flags, false starts, holding penalties, the line as a whole doesn't have a performance? What's your role as a captain? How do you repair that? How do you rebound from that kind of performance? Because Brady had a much better game the following outing. Yeah, step one's always owning it. Um, when you're a, a veteran guy, when you're sought to be a leader, you don't duck it. And I, and I doubt very seriously. It's just not the guys up front. You might not have a ton of vocal leaders, but it's usually that room's got a ton of accountability uh, to one another. It has to, but also to the team, the, the broader team. One thing, though, that you, you just can't have, like a hold, holds are going to happen. And, you know, people talk about this, D-linemen especially, they love to bring this up. Oh, you, you call holding on every play, <laughs> um, which is total bull. Um, but they like to say it. it makes them feel better. But the 
the, the fact that you have a holding penalty or, you know, every once in a while it's like a, a legal hands to the face or something, I don't know, chop block, you don't see that very often. But those are almost, uh, those are, we'll call them effort penalties that happen in the course of the play. It's the procedural stuff, the pre-snap stuff that you just flat out can't have. And especially when you've got stability at quarterback. It's one thing if you're jockeying guys in and out, and there's a lot of systems where, hey, we need a runner on this snap, so put another quarterback in. You know, A&M saw that last week. The Robbie Ashford kid comes in at quarterback. Cadences change. You know, those guys don't always call it the same way. And if you're on the road, maybe you're on the clap, so that's different. But when you're at home, you know, if it's a color number, color number, you know, ready, go, or whatever it is, that cadence isn't the same. And so sometimes you, you just got to hold in there better. Arkansas hasn't had to deal with that. You know, the procedure, the pre-snap process, by and large, is coming from the same guy. And if that's the case, then you flat out just can't burn five yards. And, and that, you just, you have to be more focused. It literally is just a mental lapse. The other stuff, the holding, you don't want it, and you certainly don't invite it. It's such a costly penalty. At the same time, you, you can, you know, kind of grit your teeth and swallow hard and be like, ah. But it's the pre-snap stuff that, that is a real killer because it's, it's entirely avoidable. Matt Stinscombe with us here on the McCarty Daniel Hotline. Matt, you referenced the stability kind of at quarterback for the, the Razorback squad, and we had that clip at the top of our open. I, I wonder your perspective. Can can KJ afford at any point this season to have an off game and they win, or is it just one of those things that he has to play out of his mind each game based on what Arkansas has for them to be in games this year? You know, I think that uh... – the defense has done a good job. You look at the turnover margin, the takeaways. If you're able to get the ball back, then you're always giving your offense a better chance um, just because that's a momentum play. And it's not even always great field position. It doesn't have to be. But you get a short field, and it's a quick change for the opposing team's defense. You know, that can be a spark. You know, as far as, you know, especially when the Sanders kid's been out of the lineup, there's been a lot on K.J. Jefferson. And this offense, I think rightfully, you know, uh, wisely, has put a lot on Jefferson from a decision-making standpoint. He's making decisions pre-snap. You know, a lot of systems, they'll have the RPO. You know, it's watch the O part and the RPO, that option part, that you better have a quarterback that's making great decisions. There is a ton of after-snap decision-making in this offense. And you watch it and you're going... The ball seems to go where it should. He's made great decisions, um, by and large. I mean, we're talking, you know, and even talking with the coaches, they're saying he's in the high 80s. That's incredible. Uh, and this is after the snap type stuff where the defense is trying to make you wrong and you're making a point to, to, to exploit that. Not an easy thing to do. So there's a lot on that kid's plate. You know, you got third and long, you're getting exotic blitz packages. You don't always hold up in protection. You don't have you know, your, your front line uh, running back in there from a protection standpoint. So there's a ton of leakage. You know, there's not a ton of familiarity at wide receiver. Uh, you know, you got a, a true freshman at tight end who's really emerging as a target. True freshman at tight end. I think that's enough to tell you that, you know, and you all know this, there's not a lot of familiar faces in the huddle for that guy. And so because of it, there's a ton on his shoulders. That said... You know, I don't know that if you get Sanders back and he's in that lineup, you tie things together up front, 
you continue to emerge in the passing game, especially on the receiving end, you know, those guys, I think, by the end of the season, maybe even midpoint, they can round into form to where it doesn't have to be so much on, hey, KJ, you got to make a play for us right here, bud. But they, I don't know that they're there just yet. The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Luke Has has been named the John Mackey Tight End of the Week this past week. Of course, given to the best tight end in all of college football. Earned that award out after his outstanding performance against the LSU Tigers. Over 100 yards, two touchdowns, and a two-point conversion this week. Guys, he leads all freshmen in receiving yards. Learned that from Chuck this week. He's number one amongst all tight ends in receiving grade. And I would guess he's probably going to be at the top of a lot of lists by season's end, even as a true freshman, Tommy. Yep, going to go, uh, draw a lot of attention. And I, I think he's going to be not just a freshman All-American this year, but some point down the road, I think he's going to get those All-American honors on the big teams. Uh, I don't know if it'll be this year, but I think that's will, will be part of a complete career at Arkansas. Chuck, it would be pretty cool. I mean, you had DJ Williams, you had Hunter Henry. If Luke could add his name to the list, that'd be three Mackey Award winners in about 20 years or 20 or 15 years. That's not a bad stretch to go on if you're an Arkansas program. Well, he's a good player. I mean, he's a good player. And, um, you know, we saw it Saturday night, and we're going to keep seeing it. I don't know how long he's going to be here, man, because this guy's got real skill. The one thing... And I didn't think about this until he was on Pittman's show the other night. You know, he's 6'3 and 240, roughly. Pretty mm-hmm. big guy. But he's undersized for that position in terms of his height. You look at guys that are playing professionally, your tight ends are all like 6'5, six, 6'6. Six, six. They're big guys. I mean, tall guys. Um, I don't know how that's going to affect him in the future. I don't know. I, I frankly never even really thought about it in those terms until it was brought up the other night. But I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't put anything past this guy. Um, he's a player. You put him at quarterback, he'll be good. Put him at safety, he'll be fine. He's just a ball player. What's the phrase that you like to – what did Pimmon call him, a ball-playing son he's of a, a gun? a ball-playing son of a gun. I yeah, thought that was a, a pretty good, good way to put it. <laughs> great phrase. Soccer team won again last night. Shut out Missouri, 1-0 after a penalty kick. They've won five straight and won the first four league games. Third time in the last four seasons. Colby Hale's got himself another good team once again. Now, we mentioned the basketball team. If you haven't watched clips, we have on our uh, social medias. We also have quotes from Eric Musselman and Coach yesterday in the press conference. Find that at deadline.com. They had an open 
practice for media yesterday. I know people are excited. <laughs> Chuck, you were talking about the, the 8 o'clock starts. You got 16 on the ESP networks for the Arkansas basketball team, eights on the SEC network, and then one being CBS when they play Kentucky later on this season. So you've got a loaded TV schedule, just kind of like you. I wish they weren't all some of the good ones weren't all at eight o'clock. I like a day game on Saturday. I just think that you know if you're in the Eastern Time Zone, for example, the schools that are in the Eastern Time Zone, they play at seven o'clock local time. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're playing that 6 o'clock game on the network. And the central time zone teams are playing at 8. That's just kind of how it works. Yeah. So, All right, that's going to do it. Go, go ahead, ahead, Chuck. No, I, I was good. All right, that's going to do it for your hog update. Brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888-8-SPARKY. All right, let's get into our favorite segment of the week. That is our Fenceman Friday picks. We've got some good college football games this week and also got some interesting We're talking about Luke Has, talking about his over-unders heading into this game this weekend as we welcome in our friend Sean, the Fenceman. Sean, what's going on this Friday morning, man? We are getting packed up, and we're going to go watch the Razorback. So we're pretty excited this morning. Now you got a split house. Your 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 wife's an Aggie, and you're a Razorback. How, how do y'all How do y'all manage this weekend? Uh, we don't talk on the car ride down. <laughs> nice. <laughs> May not talk on the car ride back. Yeah. No, it's a it's a great competition. We really like to give each other a hard time. She gets all dressed up, so do I, and we just we just have good camaraderie all the way down, and it's uh, exciting to be down there with with the game. Well, it should be an exciting game tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Let's go and get into it. It is our Fenceman Friday Picks. Fenceman Friday Picks. Call the Fenceman for all kinds of fences, controlled access, and custom iron projects. 479-782-3936. The Fenceman. We ain't afraid of no work. John, I also have a few Aggie jokes if you really want to get into hot water. Oh, let's do it. I love it. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll mention those at some point. <laughs> Guys, let's start outside the SEC. USC at Colorado. Chuck, Colorado's a 20-and-a-half-point underdog at home. Do they cover without Travis Hunter? The Buffaloes will cover. What's the spread? 20-and-a-half? Is that what you said? 20, 21 21-and-a-half. I'm taking Colorado in the points. I'm taking USC. I know they're at home. I know people are going to be excited, but he's just too valuable player, Tommy, in my opinion. Gut check time, man check time for Colorado. Give me Colorado in the points. Sean, what do you think? I'm going to follow suit. I think Colorado's going to uh, – they embarrassed themselves last week, so they're going to come out fighting. All right, next game, we'll go to the SEC for this one, the Magnolia Bowl between LSU and Ole Miss. Ole Miss, Tommy, is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Do they pull the upset or the Tigers keep on rolling? I'll take LSU. This is a huge game for uh, for Ole Miss, much just like this Arkansas A&M game. You think about the streak they could be on. It could set up for a huge stage between Arkansas and Ole Miss in a week. Give me LSU. I'll take LSU as well. I think if this game was closer, Chuck, or excuse me, a little wider margin in terms of betting, I would pick Ole Miss. But I think LSU can at least win by a field goal in this one. I'm sort of the same way with you there. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take LSU too. All right. Sean, what do you think, man? I'm going to take Ole Miss. I'm going to go on opposite. All right. I'm there you go. The, going for the points. Hey, Ole Miss's backs are to the wall this weekend. They're going to win. 
They do. All right, guys, Luke has, who we were just talking about, his over-under on the Bet Saracen app is 59.5 yards and and half a touchdown, Tommy. Does he get that? Does he get over 59.5 yards and half a a touchdown this weekend? I think think he'll be a a primary target, so 60 yards in a a touchdown, I'll I'll go for that. Yeah. Yeah, that seems, Sean, that seems low to me. I'm also going to take this, but plus you got good odds on this one as well. Mm, I don't think so. I'm going to go the other way. I don't way. think so. No. Mm. Okay. No. Okay. No, Texas ain't. I, Texas Sean's ain't out there on an stuff. island today, man. He's I, I, feeling, uh, feeling froggy. I, feeling really good or I, really bad. I, I, man, I'm going to sweep you guys. That's what's going to happen. There you go. <laughs> I right. like your confidence. <laughs> what about the game itself, Sean? Your your wife's Aggies are four and a half point favorites. Now they could cover, but do they win tomorrow? Do the Razorbacks win tomorrow, or do they just cover, or do the Aggies cover in this one? Well, here's my heartfelt feeling: we should be a four and team right now. We have lost due to penalties and some not well playing. I think we're going to have it together. I think we're going to come in with a vengeance. I think we're going to play a super clean game. We're going to see some outstanding performances. Razorbacks win easily by a touchdown, if not 10 points. Wow. I hope you're right. I don't Sean's all over the road this morning, man. He <laughs> brought his game today. He's picking upsets. He's going against the grain. He's saying the Hogs are going to blow him out. Sean, I like it. I feel that law of attraction. It's going to happen, man. Here you comes can tell he's got a road trip planned, man. That's he's, right. He's fired up. <laughs> Gearing up, Tommy. What do you think, man? Are you gonna stick with Sean on this, this one? Kind of like last week with LSU. This is a series that has been close all along, close contest. I like the Hogs with four and a half points. Give me the Hogs and the points. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna say they cover and and keep it at that. I don't know if I can say they're gonna win this one, but I think they are gonna cover at least. We'll say in Dallas for you, Chuck. Real quick, Dallas Cowboys six and a half point favorites over New England. Do they? beat Hunter Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Dietrich Wise, and Bill Belichick this weekend by a touchdown or more. How about them Cowboys, baby? Yeah, there it is. Give me the Cowboys. There, you go. there it is. Yeah. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. I'm really pleased to be joined by Brent Zwarneman, who of the Houston Chronicle. For those that that name might ring a bell, Brent was the one that broke open the story of Texas and Oklahoma joining the league. 
at SEC Media Days two years ago. And, Brent, I know that probably seems like a lifetime ago, but it's still seeing an impact today. We appreciate you making some time for us. You also broke the story of Connor Wigman being out for the season earlier this week for the Houston Chronicle. What kind of impact do you think that will have on the Aggies, not just this season, but particularly tomorrow against Arkansas? Hey, first I got to say, y'all's timing is impeccable. I just dropped off the last kid just within minutes ago at (laughs) Bryan High School. And here's what y'all will get a kick out of. It's homecoming at Bryan High. And so I'm pulling up. He's a freshman, plays baseball there, freshman. The dance team happens to be walking out of a door right at the, in all their, in all their gear and all their garb and everything, headed for the football field. He like looks at me with the, big look at panic on his face and he's like duck or what i'm like i'm in the driver's seat i can't duck you know and anyway so the dance team walked by the cars i'm letting him out so that was quite a moment and then and then uh then i get to visit with y'all but yeah the uh that does seem like a lifetime ago and i tell the i tell the young journalist that all stemmed from me doing a 10-year anniversary story of of bowen lofton then a&m's president saying at that time on July 21st, 2011, the Big 12 is in a state of uncertainty. And I'm like, okay, oh, that's about 10 years ago. I need to look up some of these old people. And then, boom, on the 10-year to the day uh, is when that Texas OU story broke because I was doing an anniversary story of the previous uh, announcement of A&M, you know, trying to get out of the Big 12 for the SEC. And then this week, in terms of you mentioned Connor Wegman, um, you know, Bobby Petrino was was high on Max Johnson as it was going into the summer. I kept hearing that over and over that he really liked what. Even though Connor Wegman is the five star guy with a with a very high ceiling, he also loved what Max Johnson brought to the table. And you know, usually you roll your eyes if a coach says something like, "Well, I've got two starting quarterbacks." So I actually believe Jimbo Fisher on that one because we've seen what Max Johnson can do. He was a starter at LSU two years ago. He beat the Aggies. And uh, he started last year, broke his hand on a Mississippi State player's helmet. Uh, I, I guess beat Arkansas. That was quite a game last year. He was the starting quarterback then. And so now he's back. So they don't feel like all is lost with Connor Wigman out for the season with that broken foot. And when you look at the offense, when you look at those two differences, you mentioned, again, Petrino being high in him. How does he cater the offense more to Johnson starting tomorrow? Are there less shots downfield? What do you see differently moving forward, even though he still has confidence in him? Yeah, I think they feel a little more comfortable, even though Connor Wiggins was presented as a dual-threat guy. He had been a little bit susceptible to injury. He had been susceptible to injury in, in, in high school. And then, of course, that kind of reared its ugly head again. I do think they feel more comfortable that Max Johnson, as he showed last week against Auburn, that if he needs to tuck and run it, he can get some yards in that sense, and that maybe he's just he's just a little bit more of a veteran uh, presence out there, you know, a guy and obviously the son of Brad Johnson, the former Super Bowl winning quarterback, and uh, you know, it's kind of in his blood uh, to, to be a guy who, who can who can direct an offense, and he's he's a natural leader and so forth. So it's really no knock on Wegman. It's just Wegman was still really young. I mean, as a as a true sophomore who had a, a few games under his belt last year, um, I think that the experience of running Bobby Petrino's offense probably. Uh, comes into into play here a little bit more and it's funny i told max johnson this when we visited with him last week i said i've seen a lot of things in this business i've never actually seen a guy go backward in eligibility but somehow he managed that last year he was listed as a junior 
This year he's listed as a sophomore because in the offseason the family decided to take advantage of that COVID year. What's funny, two years ago when he beat the Aggies while at LSU in Baton Rouge, he was a sophomore. He's a sophomore again two years later uh, running the Aggies offense. It's just a weird deal. But, um, you know, again, I think A&M, if, it was, if they were having to turn to Jalen Henderson, who is now Max Johnson's backup, there'd be a lot more unknowns. But they do feel a little bit more uncomfortable. I mean, comfortable. And with the idea that people all assumed it was Connor Lemon's job going into August in camp, I was hearing everything else that, you know, it was actually a very tight battle, and Bobby Petrino actually really loved Max Johnson as well. Brent Swinneman with us on the McClarty-Daniel hotline. Uh, let's talk about that Aggie defense. Really got after Auburn last week. I think, what, 15 tackles for loss. What are you expecting from the Aggie front against the Razorbacks who have had some troubles along the way on their offensive line? Yeah, that surprised us all that cover A&M because they had really had trouble. They, they've got a load of... I, there was a span of about a decade where I could count the number of five-star recruits A&M had across the board on both sides of the ball. And suddenly you've got like six or seven five-star guys on the defensive line alone. The problem with that, and that's not really a problem, but they're all kind of built similarly. You didn't really have kind of that, that speed edge rusher type guy, and you, you still don't. They're trying to turn Shamar Turner into that. And so that had been the issue early on where you say, okay, you've got all these five-star defensive linemen, but they're all kind of bull rushers, you know, guys more impactful in the middle than maybe getting out on the edge. That seemed to change. They brought Edger and Cooper, the outside linebacker, and he had a couple of sacks. They collected seven sacks against Auburn. It, all, it really kind of threw us for a loop because you did not see that against Miami. They weren't really able to pressure Tyler Van Dyke much, and, he, of course, he, he ate him alive. So uh, we were saying if anybody's been sandbagging so far this year for the Aggies, it's been defensive coordinator D.J. Durkin because – because the aggressiveness on defense that the Aggies showed against Auburn in the SEC opener, we had not seen that until that time. Um, you know, again, linebacker was their biggest question on defense going into the season. Edron Cooper, who's a veteran guy, has played well. I mentioned him with a couple of sacks. Torian York is a true freshman who's kind of helped quarterbacking that defense, and he's he's played above his his rating, I'll put it that way, is a three-star guy who stepped right into a, a starting role and has excelled there. So linebacker has actually been kind of a pleasant surprise for the Aggies, at least so far, you know, four games into the season. What is the view, the view from the Aggie fan base or just, just around the program? Alabama, at least, has appeared to be down a little bit, although their defense may have reawakened last weekend. LSU has the loss to Florida State. A&M's got the loss to Miami. What... What's kind of the expectation the rest of the way, and, and what does A&M feel like their place is in the SEC West right now? Yeah, I know they felt a whole lot better before they went into week two and then just get sautéed at Miami, give up 48 points, and then they they're, had the approach of, hey, all is lost, and Jimbo Fisher's in his sixth season. But going back to your point, with it being seeming like a little more of a down year across the board for the SEC West, they're suddenly realizing, well, even though they have that non-conference loss by 15 points, they still, believe it or not, can can be in the mix here. And if they can get their defense going, and now they've gone a couple of games, you know, two straight games without allowing a defensive touchdown. Uh, one was Louisiana Monroe, so you take that into account, but then doing that to Auburn as well. So, yeah, their approach is that even though you had the big loss at Miami, knocked them out of the rankings, they're unranked, I, I think still not receiving any kind of votes or anything like that as far as I know. 
that they can be in the mix. And it's from the very beginning, two years ago, when I'm looking at the schedule and saying, okay, this is the year. I always said if the Aggies were going to win a division title, it's going to be in an odd year because that's when Alabama and Auburn come to town. And, you know, next week is Alabama. But I will say this about the Arkansas game. Obviously, the, the, the Razorbacks have their full attention. I have not heard anybody talking about, man, can't wait for the Alabama game next week at Kyle Field. I mean, based on the way this series has gone, the way last year went, you know, with the, the ball off the top of the goalpost, you know, the upright and so forth, uh, 100% Arkansas has, has the Aggies' attention going into this game. I, and I'll say this, guys, I know it, it seems like the Aggies I know and everything, they kind of go, some of them are like, yeah, I like it at AT&T State, and I should be home and home. I've really enjoyed this series, and maybe it's just because it's a short road trip every year that we get to look forward to. Sometimes we take the family one year, we did Six Flags and so forth. But it's actually something I've looked forward to every year, so I'm kind of going to miss it when it's gone after next year as well. I don't think you're the only one that'll feel that way. Brent, as we, as we close you out here, and we appreciate you joining us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Our Jimbo Fisher compare K.J. Jefferson to Matt Jones earlier this week. Matt, of course, tied with K.J. right now for the most touchdowns accounted for in Razorback history. I mean, we saw the last game the impact that he had, unfortunately, had that fumble uh, how is Texas, how is Durkin, how is that defense going to try and contain him and the rest of the offense tomorrow? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I heard Jimbo comparing to Cam Newton, you know, in terms of saying he's he's that that kind of player. And, you know, and really you haven't seen that yet in terms of what the Aggies have faced. And he is first and foremost on their mind, but then also as, as Jimbo and others have mentioned, you know, the addition of Rocket Sanders back into the lineup has certainly given them something else to think about. But that's where all these five stars and these big guys on the defensive line are supposed to come into play in terms of being able to try to at least help contain a guy like K.J. Jefferson. But, yeah, I've heard his name mentioned a lot this week in terms of – and obviously Jefferson has the idea after what happened last year when he tried to extend the ball over the goal line early, you know, probably I would guess quite a bit of revenge on his mind too. And certainly he's experienced in this game as well. Well, Brent, we'll leave it there this morning. Again, Brent Zornerman of the Houston Chronicle covers the Aggies and the SEC as well as some other things. Brent, really appreciate your time. Good reporting as always, and we'll see you at the game tomorrow at AT&T Stadium. Hey, that sounds good. Looking forward to it, guys. We'll see you all. Guys, I remember when he got on Paul Feinbaum two years ago and broke open that story about Texas and Oklahoma joining the league while we were at media days. I mean, that was... Uh, something I feel like always comes out of media days at some point. That was the biggest story we had in a decade. And it's really changed, as we know it, the shape of college football, Chuck, with all these different realignments now. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's not done. Clemson's in the news this week. Yep. So uh, there may be more movement coming. It's, um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, A&M, if you'll remember, I mean, they were blindsided by all that. I mean, this was this was done without their knowledge because they knew what their reaction would be. Uh, it's part of the reason why, if I'm not mistaken, they get Texas at Kyle Field before they have to go to Texas. That's correct. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, the Aggies kind of got done a little bit dirty there, and I'm sure they're, they're still smarting from it. But, yeah, that, that, that sort of began the avalanche. That was, uh, I guess, I remember Bjork being, like, staunch about, we don't want Texas in the league. It's one of, it's one of the reasons we left. And then, like, a day or two later after Sankey probably pulled him aside, Funny how the uh, Tommy, they were all voted yes. Yeah, you don't want to be the one dissenter <laughs> on the record, but I would have probably taken pride in that if I was uh, Ross Bjork in that point, but that's not the way this league does business. Well, what were they going to do? 
Yeah. I mean, what were they going to do? When it was done after yep. the fact, what are they going to do? They expressed their sentiments privately and somewhat publicly, but um, what's done is done. Yeah. They can't do anything about it. 13 to 1 still passes, so 14 to 0. It might as well be unanimous because yeah. uh, being the one dissenting vote doesn't do anything but change the record, I guess. Chuck, you brought up the Clemson story. I read a little bit of it. I mean, is it similar to Florida State where they just have board of trustee members that want out of the ACC and they're pushing for it? I mean, is there anything different from what's going on with the Seminoles too? Well, I mean, the question's always going to be about, you know, the exit fee and um, their television deal, which is um, – it doesn't benefit the schools. I'll just put it that way, quite the way some of the others do, and it ties them mm-hmm. down the way some of the other conferences maybe aren't quite as, as as tied down. So I'm not sure what their thinking is. They obviously feel like, and I think Florida State felt this way too, at least for a while, that they could get out of this grant of rights deal, as it's called. And I don't know if they can or not, but I know they want to leave. Florida State wants to leave. North Carolina wants to leave. All of them want to leave. And um, at least, the you know, except for the new ones and the ones that, yeah. you know, weren't all that great to begin with. But I'm not sure they're going to be able to pull it off. When I first heard about this early in the week, it was going to be the Big Ten. Now by the end of the week, it's the SEC. So I think what we know is Clemson would like to get out. But I don't know that they've got any takers right now. Let's go back to the McCarty-Daniel hotline where Verl is this morning. Verl was playing basketball with your son earlier this week. What's going on? Um, I hope you beat him. <laughs> I was on his team. I had the luxury of being on his team. He carried the load. I just uh, he jumped on my back and I carried him. Yeah, I bet. Well, I, I the opposite, it, no, but, the opposite. I jumped on his back and he carried me. It, it doesn't even matter. I just want to call and say I love listening to you guys. I love listening to Chuck, but I want to protect Tommy because I refereed with Tommy in seven eight West. And <laughs> my, my first assignment, I was, I was I was really ready for it. And they was like, uh, the R, that's what they call him. I ain't going to say his name, but he's like, you know the three-second rule? I'm like, yeah. He said, put it in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was that's like, what? Yeah. I said, okay, uh. He said, because if you call three children down here, you got to call three children down on the other end. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy is a good rep. I don't know about football, but basketball. <laughs> ah, now we're talking. There it is. There it now is. There talking. it is. Keep that going. Keep that going. Uh, I, I, I don't referee football. I used to referee basketball. But he's a good referee. <laughs> and and you, got, you got a lot of things to deal with. Because you can get blackballed from a, from a, <coughs> a school. Say, I don't want him back there more. <laughs> and he's he, nothing he but call the game right. Burl, is he paying you? <laughs> what? Is he paying you? Is he paying you to say this? Man, I call. Hey, first of all, Ty, I think that you're going to be a good radio person. <laughs> but I call and apologize to Tommy on the radio. <laughs> True or false? True. Last week. True. Okay. Oh, he did. So why would he pay me? I, I don't know, to, go, to boost his ego. Tommy's the cheapest guy in the world. He ain't paying anybody <laughs> for anything. <laughs> kidding me? He's trading it out. Much less, his, much less his employees. We're working on trade. No truer uh, words have been spoken. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Verl. Uh, now, thank you, Verl. That, uh, that makes my Friday right there. So, Jeez. Can we squeeze in Brent here or do we need to go to uh, – 
All right, Brent, you got a minute, man. Go ahead. <laughs> Don't give Tommy any compliments. Hey, Tommy, what's going on? Well, Brent, how are you, buddy? Chuck, I'm about, I'm about to get – I'm ready for this game Saturday. I'm just telling you that this is a season-defining game right here. It is a must-win game for the Razorbacks. I think you may be onto something there. I hesitate to say must win because you got a lot of games after, but I do agree with you that there's going to be some defining that goes on tomorrow. I agree with that. There, there is there is one thing we have got to do, Chuck. And this this team, we have got to cut that. We have got to cut down on the penalties. We do. We do. We, this team has got to figure out how to win. A close game. They've got once they do that, they'll be fine. But until that point, we're going to struggle. Well, you're right. You got to win close games, and I do think in this stretch right now that it's important to win a game. It's not just important to play well. They played well and haven't won. Now you got to play well and win. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.